Let's pray together. Jesus, you're beautiful and you're wonderful. You're beyond all comprehension. You're exalted above all in heaven. And not only does your authority reign there, you have authority over every universe, solar system, and over this planet. And yet you have chosen to keep a lamb's heart, to be tender, attentive, even now to be an intercessor and pray for every one of us. Even now you're still laying down your life for us. I find you irresistible. And the more I learn of you, the more irresistible you are and the less attractive everything else seems to be. Irresistible is something that is just spirit to spirit, Jesus. So we really need your Holy Spirit to help us tonight. Would you just rise up in us, Holy Spirit? And give us the power to receive love. The power to commune spirit to spirit and, and just saturate our mind and our emotions. And Jesus, we just want you to be free. And we really don't have a clue how to let you be free. So we ask for your help. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This may sound like a strange book for December, but I've been captured by the book of Hebrews lately for December. For me personally, I believe Hebrews is one of the most powerful, intimate books in the New Testament. And I think what kind of intimacy was there between the writer of Hebrews and the Holy Spirit that together they decided, let's not tell anybody that we shared this. Let's not tell them who wrote Hebrews. This is our intimate secret. And when you read the book of Hebrews, it doesn't take much holy imagination to see the writer of Hebrews, almost up on the mountaintop, surveying the landscape of that time. And he's seeing in the valley all the skirmishes and all the battles over the word of God. He sees them arguing, Jesus wasn't really human. Jesus wasn't really divine. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Why does the blood make a difference? Why this and why that? And you can almost feel that at some point this man or this woman was crying out in prayer going, Holy Spirit, we must defend Jesus. We must defend him. And you can feel that this has been written by someone who has wept on their knees and cried out for the right words and the right revelation because there were torrents of doctrine and paganism blending in. It was a royal mess. And a little bit of truth here and a little bit of truth there. 
and you feel out of this passion for Jesus that the Holy Spirit must have sat down with this man or woman and said, thank you. Thank you for caring about him. Let's set the record straight. This is from Hebrews 1. At many times, and in many ways, God spoke long ago to the fathers, and he spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he created the universe. This son is the radiance of his glory and the exact imprint of his being, upholding all created things by his powerful word. And when he had made purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he is infinitely greater than the angels. Because that was the argument. Jesus was equal to angels. He is infinitely greater than angels, for he inherited a rank and a name far superior to theirs. Pause. Sometimes we so quickly float through Philippians 2, and he laid aside his divinity and he became humanity. The writer is saying, let's be clear. All things were created through him. He is the exact representation of Yahweh himself, the Most High God. And he inherited a rank. And the term is he had a military rank in heaven. And that he was over the armies of heaven. Now that was no small thing. There's this brief one-liner in Luke 10 where Jesus tosses it out to see if any of his disciples are listening. He sent out his disciples. They deliver demons. They come back. They're excited. We cast out baby demons in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Lucifer fall like lightning. And to anyone who was paying attention, he was saying, before I was human, I was the commander of all of heaven's angels. And when Lucifer and a third of the angels rose up to take over Father's throne, it was finished as quickly as lightning. My power was so much greater. As flash as a lightning, as quick as a lightning bolt, they fell. That's the power I left. John says it in John 1. But it's almost in code. He said, the light overcame the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. In the Greek, it's a military term of katalumbano, and it's when 
you hit your enemy so fast, you kill him before he even realizes what happened. He is confused, bewildered, and dead. And when you look at the Old Testament, when the angel went with the Israelites into the wilderness, who sent that angel? The one of the highest rank. And when an entire army comes in 2 Kings 6 to kill Elijah, and Elijah says, look, on the mountains they're covered with angels and chariots. Who had the authority to send those? The Son of God. That's important. Otherwise, we minimize what he left. And we minimize the strength it took for him after throwing Lucifer down like a bolt of lightning to sit on the mount of temptation and take Lucifer, Satan now, face to face and stay calm and to stay in his humanity. As I said, during this time, some believed angels were greater than Jesus, or Jesus was equal. The writer says, to for which of the angels did God ever say, I have fathered you, and you are my son? And again, the Most High said, let all the angels of God worship him. To which angel did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I put all your enemies underneath your feet? For when God put all things in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. But for now, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we see one who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Yeshua, or Jesus. And Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Therefore, he had to be made like us, his brothers and sisters in all things, so that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in matters relating to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. In those few verses, he said, do you see he was fully divine? All thing was made through him. He had power. He had rank over all of the military of heaven. He defeated Lucifer and powers and principalities and angels. And then for a little while, he became lower. And he became one of us. And when he put on humanity, he was not ashamed to be human 
and he was not ashamed of our humanity. Pause. Do you see how religion and guilt and shame is a direct contradiction to these verses? If Jesus is not ashamed of your humanity, it's demonic lies that try to make you think you should be ashamed of your weaknesses, your wounds, and your humanity. Because when Jesus put on humanity to the full, he restored its dignity. Because of all the things Father could have created us to be, he chose humanity. Because our highest dignity is to allow God to love us and to need him. He created us so that he could take care of us. And then as we matured in that love, we could stand in a partnership with him to love and take care of one another and this whole world. The writer of Hebrews just rises up like standing on a mountain looking at all these battles in his day, the theologies, the warfare, the legalism, and the Holy Spirit just lays it verse upon verse simply. Jesus was not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. And that was the Jesus who knows everything you have done or you will do. So when shame comes, it is never divine. And you never have to take it. Say, no, Jesus doesn't feel that way. If we continued on through the book of Hebrews, we would find that the writer stays up on that mountain. And he says, now, there is on the throne the high priest who is familiar with your humanity. And he's saying, come, come to the throne of grace. I have compassion for you. And he says, now, he is the great shepherd. He is the one with the unshakable kingdom. He's the one that's never going to leave you or forsake you. And he knows your humanity better than you do. And so we have the Son of God. Because if you watch the writing in Hebrews, when he talks about who Jesus was on the earth, he calls him Jesus or Yeshua. But he never refers to him as Jesus after the resurrection. He's the high priest. He's the shepherd. And in the book of Revelations, you don't hear them going, worthy is Jesus. Because they're looking at the resurrected Christ, the one who has made the circle from divine to humanity to now human and divine. They're going, it took a lamb's heart to make that journey. And so how does all that fit us? Jesus was fully divine. 
He chose to be fully human so that we who are fully human could now have within us the divine. In a mystery, he was both. And in a mystery, we are both. I am fully human, but I am divine because I have the divine Holy Spirit in me. And he imparts to me the divine righteousness of Christ, the divine purity of Christ. And in certain moments, he allows me the invitation to lay aside my humanity and go, Holy Spirit, what is your wisdom? And to tap into divinity and wisdom. Feel his presence, and I just want to listen one more time and may it sink in. You are human and you are divine. You are human and you are divine. you grasp that so much warfare just falls impotent at your feet I am human yes I will make mistakes yes I will continue to learn how to love and be in the nature of Christ for the rest of my earthly life but it is also equally true I have the Holy Spirit of God in me And he covers me in the righteousness of Christ. So before the throne of God, I look like Christ. And the more my humanity becomes healed, delivered, whatever I need on my journey, the more my humanity has lies debunked and seeds of truth, the more in my humanity, when it's the right time and safe, my walls come down, then the more the Holy Spirit can bring the heart of Christ into my humanity. And then on my journey, I slowly start tipping the balance. Because when I start, most of us, we're pretty human with a little bit of Jesus. We're pretty human and sometimes weighed down with things that aren't truths from the world or about him. But the more I make my journey and I don't deny my humanity, I embrace it, I celebrate it and say, God, Thank you for this failure. Thank you for this mistake. I was such a perfectionist in my 20s, and some of you know this. I almost audibly heard God say, 
mistakes are a key to the kingdom. And I just thought that could not have been him. And before I could rebuke it, because I would have in my 20s, that was the way I was raised. He said, they are the keys to humility and teachability. And it began a massive shift in my soul to celebrating weaknesses and mistakes and failures that they were my keys to learning and going, Holy Spirit, can you help me with this? And the more we lean in and believe the love and trust the love, now it's like the mountaintop experience, for lack of a better word, of when you have those moments when you may feel like you and Holy Spirit are connected or you feel like, no, this is a moment of clarity for me. Clarity is the Holy Spirit, by the way. Nothing else will give you clarity. If you're waiting for goosebumps and feel his presence and glory, clarity is the Holy Spirit. And so is peace. Nothing else in the world will give it. So whenever you have that moment where there's a clarity, an aha moment, you're connecting dots, you feel loved. It's like you're in that divine place. And your spirit and the Holy Spirit are connecting. And it's like it begins a trickle of the river of life. And it flows down into your soul and your humanity. And you get healed a little bit more and a little bit more. And every time, your soul now is healing and rising. And more and more, you're living from, he loves me, grace is real. I need you, Holy Spirit. What are you thinking? And even if you say, Susan, I don't know his voice and I don't hear his voice, that's okay. He's still in you. It doesn't rely on you hearing him. If you ever have a positive thought that is not typical of your personality, that was him. If you ever have a loving thought that's not typical, that's him. So you are gifted to be like the Christ. He was fully divine, fully human, and he lived out the weaving together of those two into oneness so that we could come fully human by the power of the blood. His spirit could come in us and begin revealing our divine identity as righteous ones, our invitation to be woven together with his spirit so we're living more from our divine source and divine identity than before. And it started... With a child. For unto you a child is born. A son shall be given. But until the shoulders of a child. Will rest the government of the kingdom. And so. I'm going to invite you. To take communion.
there was a one afternoon this week, and it's okay if my language doesn't click with your language, okay? You be you, I'll be me. Um, I like being outside, and it was chilly, and I was sitting outside in my backyard, and and I just heard, make me a primitive manger. And it was like, don't use any tools, don't plant it, just walk around and grab the sticks and logs right around the back porch and use what you got. Add a little bit of twine, add a little bit of rope. And I'll be transparent enough with you to say, as we were putting this primitive manger together, I wept like a baby, and I had no idea why. I really didn't. And then about the time I had finished and put the little seed in here for the baby, I realized that there was something deep rising inside of me that was beyond words going, oh, <laughs> I want to be so much more childlike, Dad, Father. I want to I wanna get little. <laughs> I, I want to get little. I'm good with being obscure. I, I want to get little like an infant. I want to get so little that I need you for everything. And all I know is I wept and I don't pretend to have some grand revelation. Or and a few hours went by and I shifted and doing stuff around the house and then I had this sense of, I want a primitive cross. And I just walked outside, and it was like, grab the first two sticks you see. And I had some rope. You know, when we have all these pictures, and when Jesus is on the cross, it looks like such sanded, beautiful lumber and you know they didn't pay those soldiers to do that for a bunch of criminals but i will tell you again i will be very transparent i got hit with the tears again and every time i wrapped this rope around here it was like jesus hosea's word take your rope your cords of loving kindness and rope and pull out of me everything that would resist being childlike with you. And would you just pull it out? Because I really want to know the life that was your highest love gift for us. What, you, what did you really pay for? And just pull it out and just leave it on the cross and let me just it out of me. So in a few moments, I 
just want to give you an opportunity to feel that he came to bless your humanity and he came to say, would you please realize you have divinity? No, we are not like Christ. He's the son of the most high God. But we have divinity within us by grace. So this is a few moments to let you be with him and just come one at a time. When you come to the manger, I ask that you approach it as if there is a babe inside. The writer of Hebrews also said, Jesus said, he prepared a body for me. And so when you come, lift the blanket tenderly as you would for the newborn. And search the manger for the bread and tear his flesh. And cover him back up. And then come and dip it in the blood. And take it as seems good, alone with others. You know his spirit. But I pray that the presence of the Christ child will meet you. And whatever healing, whatever you want pulled out, whatever love gift he has for you tonight, you will find it in his body and in his blood. For the entire journey began before the foundations of the earth. But the massive transition from the rank and sovereignty of heaven to a baby began in this season.